Every, every once in a while, I hit a passage that I was, well, every week I hit a passage that was um, causing great fear in me. Um, you know that I've started, stopped at the end of certain chapters, let's say chapter 8, because I was scared of chapter 9. I took a few weeks or months off, did a lot of research and studying, and then I dive in, but I'm still scared. Chapter 13 was one of those chapters. I, I knew... I had to get into it if I was going to continue through the Gospel of John. But it, it, it is that transition, you know, from public ministry of our Lord to this private meeting with the disciples, 13, 14, 15, 16, and chapter 17. All of that is just in, the, in that upper room. So there's a, uh, some of you are going, then why didn't you preach the whole thing today? I couldn't even have read the thing. It would have taken 20 minutes at least to read. Um, but this section, I don't want to get out of. Huh. Matter of fact, I'd like to preach verses 6 through 11 the rest of my life, especially verse 10. Verse 10, I think, in this passage is a huge verse because it explains uh, a lot of the mechanics of the symbolism uh, of the act or of the parabolic enactment of the gospel and some of the benefits that we receive. You remember, uh, and if you don't, I'll tell you. Verse 10 says this, Jesus said to him, to Peter, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. So he's talking about being completely clean, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, saved, justified in the process of sanctification. And then he's talking about needing your feet washed. Uh, one of the brothers who happens to be sitting in the front row said, there's another reason why Peter needed his feet washed. It's because he was putting them in his mouth so often. <laughs> uh, but here is this foot washing that actually brings up more than just what the foot washing symbolizes, the foot washing symbolizes our need for daily and continual forgiveness of, of sins, this side of our regeneration and justification and adoption, this side of our conversion, our initial conversion. He brings up the bathed part because the foot washing is a subset but necessarily connected to the grace of regeneration, the grace of justification, the grace of adoption, the grace of sanctification, and ultimately the grace of glorification. But this foot washing is a literal thing, okay? So when we read the words, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, or Jesus was washing uh, Peter's feet, at least he wanted to. Peter didn't want him to, but he ended up knuckling under. When we read those literal words, words are signs that signify things, right? Foot washing, two words, are verbal signs that signify a thing, namely, in this context, a foot washer and foot wash ease. And the foot wash E that was highlighted today was Peter, and the foot wash er is Jesus. So here we have foot washing, verbal signs signifying things, two persons, our Lord incarnate, 
and the Apostle Peter and our Lord's act of stooping down and washing his feet. But the act of washing feet is also a sign that signifies another thing that we use other words to describe. The same thing with bathed. Bathed is a verbal sign signifying a thing being bathed that actually signifies another thing, regeneration and all the benefits that come along with it. So it's fascinating to me that here we have an, a recorded act of Jesus, and it's recorded by words that are signs that signify things, the act of foot washing. Which act signifies another and greater thing? Can God do that, by the way? Can God act and then raise up somebody to write about the act using signs that signify the act, but the act itself is pregnant with meaning. It means more than just the act itself of physically cleaning dirt between toes. Can God do that? Yes. Has God done that before? Yes, all over the place. Right? God does things. God tells us about the things that he does, and God interprets the things that he does for us. Okay? So that... Divine action here with the incarnate Son of God. The incarnate Son of God acts, and the act itself isn't an end in and of itself. It is a teaching tool that signifies something beyond it and greater than just washing feet. How many here think, uh, I want Jesus to wash my physical feet? That's kind of a weird question, huh? How many here want Jesus to forgive you of your sins? sins this side of salvation every single time you confess them you get that i mean that's what we want and that's the sign that's being signified by an act that we learn about through words that are signs that signify things that can signify other things and we use words to describe the thing not found in the text that's being signified Regeneration, the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul in that text and I think in 1 Corinthians 6.11 makes me wonder, where did you get that washing language from? Who taught you that? A, a fountain for un, sin and uncleanness. There's washing that's way back in one of the minor prophets, right? There's other washing in the Old Testament. So we could say, well, Paul, he at least got it from the Old Testament. Did Paul hear about the washing of the disciples' feet in the upper room? Could he have? Yes, he could have. Did he? We don't know for certain. But you know me, I like to ask questions about it. He does use washing language there. This is why we sing hymns with poetic language about cleansing and fountains and blood and you know, all that stuff because it's ultimately you know, rooted in scripture. So I have notes here, I should probably get to them. We did some contemplating, correct? 
The one was, we learn here, that the disciples of our Lord were bathed. That is, they were fully forgiven because the soul-cleansing power of God had come to them, regenerating them, forgiving them, giving them access to all the benefits of our Lord, the, all the benefits that our Lord came to earn and give to poor needy sinners. And secondly, we learn here that Peter was fully forgiven of his sins, a born-again believer in Christ, a full participant in all the benefits of Christ, yet... He was Peter, you know. And then third, I might have just rained on this parade, I'm not sure. We learn here that our Lord's act of washing the disciples' feet signifies our Lord's work of the perpetual forgiveness of sins. I did already say that, right? We already j just talked about that. So the physical act of washing feet by our Lord in the upper room, as recorded in John 13, actually tells us more about the benefits of Christ. What does it tell us? Believers sin every day, get soil on their feet, and need it wiped off. And who wipes it off? Jesus does. Our Lord does. It's by virtue of his work for us. It is a benefit of Christ that comes to the people of Christ by the Spirit of Christ. And how do we know this? By the Word of Christ. So that sometimes in the Bible, words which signify acts also signify other words which signify other acts. How do you like that one? So this is, this is interesting. Some of you know the debate about, do we interpret the Bible literally? Who wants to say no to that? No, don't interpret literally. Um, if you interpret this woodenly literally, there's no symbolism about the incarnation, the assumption of flesh, the servant mentality of the Lord while here in accordance with the prophets of the Old Testament, specifically and especially Isaiah. There's no symbolism of the forgiveness of sins. There's no symbolism in the word washed or bathed of regeneration and of the complex of redemptive benefits that come along with it. There's none of that. All there is is foot washing. Okay? So you know that some very small percentage of, of, of Christians throughout the history of the church have taken this to be just that. It's the third ordinance, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and foot washing. So we don't want to read it, and we shouldn't read it, woodenly literal, but we should read it literally. We, we read it literally I've spoken the words to you more than once, right? But then we have to interpret the words. And as we interpret the words, we realize that these words are signs signifying things that happened. But the things that happened were also signs signifying something else that's happened, namely the redemption wrought by the Lord Jesus and, and applied to the souls of needy sinners like us. So there's a lot going in in this text we can learn about Biblical hermeneutics here. Hermeneutics. Another four-syllable word. It just means the science of interpreting the Bible. The means, methods, and ways, and reasons of interpreting the Bible. And we learn from this text that we need to be very careful when we use the phrase literal uh, interpretation. 
We gotta be very careful of what we do and don't mean by that. We don't mean there's no symbolism in the Bible, okay? And most Christians realize it, there is symbolism. I'm saying this is a symbolic enactment of not only the incarnation, sufferings, and glory of Christ. He went down, he served him, he went back up to the table. Remember that one? But also a symbolic enactment of the state of Christians this side of their initial conversion who need daily and often forgiveness of their many, many sins. It's a symbolic act pointing to that our need for Jesus, not only initially, but subsequently. Did somebody write a book, Christians Need the Gospel Too? Okay, well, that's, that's what one of the things I wrote in my notes. I was showing Dave my scribbly uh, day timer there where I, I basically write out the sermon in outline form sitting in my reading chair, and then I take the outline form to my, la- my desktop, I don't have a laptop. I tried to do a laptop once, and it's like, I, I don't like this. It's, give me a mouse, you know? So, um, and then I write, write, write the sermon out. What was I talking about there? Yeah, so I wrote someplace, Christians need Jesus to become Christians, and they need Jesus all the while being Christians. <laughs> Okay, and I, I think that's one of the lessons we learn there. But you don't learn it by doing this wooden, literalistic interpretation of the signs, the verbal signs, the words, right? The words are telling us what happened back then. And what happened back then are telling us something greater than what happened. Jesus did wash their feet as a sign signifying their need for daily forgiveness of their sins. Their daily and moment-by-moment need of the benefits that he came to procure and deliver to give, to gift to us all the time. So, sometimes in the Bible, words which signify acts also signify other words which signify other acts. And in our passage today, the words about foot washing signify actual foot washing, and the foot washing signifies the perpetual forgiveness of the sins of believers during their pilgrimage here on earth. Just think if we didn't have that. Just think if all we had was initial forgiveness, and then we sin, 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 but we don't get subsequent forgiveness. Talking about, talk about walking around full of misery. All of this reminds believers that we need the daily washing of our feet. Not only do we need the blood of Christ initially, but we need it on a daily basis. Forgive us our trespasses, Matthew 6. J.C. Ryle puts it well. With the, oh, here it is. With the blood of Christ, we must begin, we must be bathed, And with the blood of Christ, we must go on. We must be constantly washed. And then here are my last three words. Christians need Jesus. Exclamation point. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for our time of thinking more about 
the teaching of the text, the doctrine contained in the text, the glorious spiritual and uh, redemptive realities that Jesus was enacting, was teaching us by enacting, uh, by an enactment, by actually doing, actually washing feet of disciples and and explaining uh, their need of it. We learn from that not only that he's a humble servant and we should be like him because we're his children. We should show love and deference to our brethren. We're going to learn that in one of the passages coming up. But there's, there's more than just that. Certainly there's that. And Jesus even draws out that practical application. But there's uh, signs signifying great spiritual redemptive realities. The forgiveness of all of our sins, the subsequent forgiveness of our subsequent sins, all based on the doing, dying, and rising of Jesus for us, and all because of the love of God for sinners like us. Help us. Inflame our hearts, enlarge them with your truth, so that we might be, in turn, like Christ, and give ourselves for the well-being of our brothers and sisters in Jesus. He says that. Uh, men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There is something of an, uh, an evangelistic hook that is created when brothers and sisters in Christ in churches are loving each other like they ought to love each other. It doesn't save people to watch us love as Christians ought to love, but it does pique their interest. May we love in that way. And may you help us now as we... Uh, Take the supper. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.